Hello, everybody, and welcome to this Wednesday, almost said Monday edition of the Logan Blackman Show. It is July 8th, 2020, here on the Basement Podcast. I am, of course, your host, Logan Blackman, and I am ready for another fantastic day, another fantastic show here on the Logan Blackman Show. It's going to be a fun day. Uh, it's very nice outside. I was just outside, got myself a Friedrich smoothie. Blueberry baboon smoothie, and I'm feeling nice and energized, even though I'm running off of, I think, five hours of sleep. So, it's going to be a fun one. It's going to be a very interesting one. And I know you're sitting there, if you're watching the video, uh, first off, thanks to everybody who did watch the last video. We did eventually get that out yesterday. Hopefully, we can get the video out today for this episode. Hopefully, this could just be uh, actually releasing the videos as the podcast is released as well. But if you're watching the video right now, you notice, Logan, what is that super cool shirt you're wearing? Oh, I'm I'm glad you asked. It's the first official Logan Blackman Show t-shirt. It's awesome. It's super comfortable. It fits very nice. I can breathe in it. it my skin breathes while I'm wearing it. I'm not overly hot and sweaty wearing this shirt. It's so nice and comfortable. We are working on uh, getting multiple shirts, or getting more shirts for the Logan Blackman Show. So if you want one, we will be eventually selling them. I got a few shirts that I have ready. I'm not going to display those shirts right now, but I have some ideas. And I really like them. I really like them. I especially like this one. This was supposed to come in today, but it came Monday night. Or no, it came. it was supposed to come in Tuesday. Came in Monday night, and it is just spectacular. I'll throw some pictures, I'm guessing, on the the green screen behind me of me wearing the shirt. And actually, the full shirt, you can't see the back, because we got stuff on the back as well. We are multi-layered t-shirts here. We sell multi-layered t-shirts once we actually do start actually selling these to help grow the Logan Blackman Show. I've also got some posters coming in the mail and some business cards coming in the mail as well. So, we're going to hopefully, that will spread the awareness, I guess, of the Logan Blackman Show. We'll get more listeners that way, hopefully. I got some more ideas that I'll put into action more next week. This week, since we've already started a show, I'm not really going to start implementing new things this week. If we didn't do a show on Monday, then yes, I would have changed up the schedule. But, for today, we're just going to do a normal show. Today and Friday are going to be normal shows. Next week is going to be a little different, so be prepared for that but for today we got ourselves a fun day because the main reason it's a fun day is because the mls is back tournament is tonight and we've got a couple games for you orlando city sc versus inter miami inter miami a new budding mls rivalry maybe that's the problem with the mls or one of the problems with the mls it's such a new well. This will just happen over time because not you. You gotta start rivalries at some point. But a lot of the MLS's biggest rivalries are of new teams like LAFC versus LA Galaxy, El Trafico. Then you got the New York Derby between New New York Red Bulls, who actually play New Jersey, and NYCFC. Then you got the friendly derby between Minnesota United and Sporting Kansas City. So you got these rivalries that have expansion teams: LAFC, Minnesota United, and uh, NYCFC. But hopefully these will start butting into actual rivalries where the fans just cannot stand each other. I know Sporting Kansas City considers their biggest rival to be RSL, but that's just because MLS Cup history, 
Sporting beat RSL in the MLS Cup on penalties. So there's a little bit of a history there. And Sporting Kansas City, the other thing about Sporting, it's the only team that's like dead center in the con- in the middle of the country. Now with Minnesota there, but there was a time where they had nobody around them. So like their biggest rivals were all the way over in Utah. They weren't rivals. I mean, they were kind of rivals with Houston, but more so with Real Salt Lake. So I hope these rivalries, and again, this will happen over time. Not every rivalry is heated right off the bat, but it'll take time. Like when you go look over at England, these rivalries didn't start when they first started. Again, they first started. They had to start at some point. So they weren't these heated territorial rivalries at this point, but it helps over in England and over in Europe that these teams are basically playing in countries the size of U.S. states. So that really helps the close. Cause like, I think it's like nine hours to get from the, from Newcastle all the way down to Bournemouth, which I think is the furthest South team in England other or Brighton. It's one of those two are the two, one of the most South, but it took years to get the, I'm not saying Newcastle and Bournemouth are rivals because they're not, but these rivalries are spanning over a hundred years, some over a hundred years, some 90 years, 80 years, some are a little bit newer. Some are like made up like Brighton versus Crystal Palace, the Seagulls versus the Eagles. Like that's a, it's kind of just made up. It's not really a real, no one else really considers it a real rival. Like Manchester United, Liverpool, uh, Chelsea, Arsenal, Tottenham, Arsenal, Manchester United, Man City, Liverpool, Everton, Newcastle and Sunderland. Like those are big rivalries in England. Brighton versus Crystal 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 Palace. I mean, they don't like each other, but they're not really close to each other because that's the main cause for these types of rivalries. The closeness to each other. Like you said, Manchester United, Man City, Battle for Manchester, then Liverpool, Liverpool and Everton, Newcastle versus Sunderland up the northeast of England. The London teams all, all don't like each other. So you got all these different rivalries based off proximity, but in the MLS with our country being so big, it's kind of hard to do proximity rivalries. That's why these new teams like LAFC and NYCFC are getting these neighbor these derbies with these neighboring teams that have already existed just to create a little bit more tension in the league. Now the MLS, to its credit, is growing. But maybe adding teams may not be the right step towards this. Maybe they're trying to get a, a system where if they add enough teams then they can start doing promotion relegation. Maybe maybe that's what they're doing. Because there's 26 teams in the MLS right now. The Premier League has 20 teams. And they do promotion relegation. And the, the money structure between the MLS and um, the USL, I think that's what it is, USSL, that, the money is completely different. Like the, If you get relegated from the MLS and go down there, straight back up. No, Kai, even FC Cincinnati, with how bad they are, they would even go back up. So maybe they're trying to get a promotion relegation thing going here. I don't know. We'll have to wait and see. The US, or Iowa is getting a soccer team, a pro soccer team. to. I think they're replacing the Des Moines Menace in the coming years. There's a soccer stadium that's getting approved, I believe. The city of Des Moines just approved a... Uh, joint high school stadium with all the Des Moines schools. So you got Lincoln, Roosevelt, East, North, and Hoover, which I mean, the only school out of those teams that doesn't have a stadium is Roosevelt. They play at Drake. 
all the other schools, Lincoln, East, um, North, Hoover, all got their own stadiums. Now, this would certainly be an upgrade on what they have. They're not great stadiums. Hoover North Stadium is slanted. I can't remember which way it's slanted. Grub Field's not the greatest football field of all time. Uh, Lincoln Stadium's not great, but they have their own stadium. So I don't know. It, it'll be interesting to see how this works out. But yeah, that just got approved, I think, yesterday. So I thought that bring I'd bring it up today. It especially helps when we talked about the MLS and getting a uh, Iowa soccer team coming up in the near future. But again, MLS's back tournament starts tonight. We have Orlando City versus Miami. Again, new rivalry, maybe. Orlando City on the season, one point to their name. They have a minus one goal differential. They've scored one and allowed two. Inter Miami have zero points with a minus two goal differential. They've scored one goal with three goals allowed. And that one goal coming from their best player, Rodolfo Pizarro. Rodolfo Pizarro made some decent headlines yesterday. Uh, Inter Miami are envisioning to get to the final. Envision getting to the final. I mean, they'd be very, very impressive. Inter Miami, compared to the likes of Nashville, have some talented players. You look at Rodolfo Pizarro being the main guy. Then you got Luis Robles, a very experienced MLS goalkeeper. You got Lee Wynn. You got Will Trapp. You got some experience on this team. And there's more players that I can mention. I don't have their roster pulled up right now. But yeah, and speaking of Nashville, they're playing they were supposed to play the Chicago Fire. According to this website that I was on, it wasn't on the MLS website. That game is postponed. So we'll have to wait and see what happens with that game. That was going to be at like 8.30, I believe. So maybe you'll only have one game tonight. And big news coming out of the MLS. I think we might have talked about this on Monday. But FC Dallas has withdrawn from the MLS's back tournament. Sad news. Sad stuff. But it makes sense. There's been a lot of positive tests down with FC Dallas. And... The risk is not greater than reward, I guess. Or the risk is greater than the reward. So it's they're just taking the necessary precaution. They I unless something crazy happens, I don't think FC Dallas was really gonna challenge in this. But you never know. So before I get into the MLS bracket challenge, because I got the MLS website up, I've got the MLS bracket challenge. We're gonna go through there and make our predictions for the bracket before the tournament actually starts. But I want to see if I have anything from this uh, predictions. We're going to look at my 2020 MLS predictions and just revisit them because they've only played two games this season. Um, times have changed from then. So things are going to be a little different. Like the two best teams in the league, to me, both lost. Don't, both don't have their two best players. Carlos Vea is out. He's not playing the MLS's back tournament. And then Joseph Martinez Atlanta United star striker is out with a torn ACL. So two of the best players in the MLS. And when I was doing the golden boot race for my MLS season predictions, I rotated between Carlos Vea and Joseph Martinez. Neither one of them are going to get golden boot this year. It's guaranteed not to happen. But we'll have to wait and see who does get the golden boot. Will Chicharito get the golden boot? Alan Polito, will he get the golden boot? Will Josie Altidore get the golden boot? Only time will tell. It's going to be crazy stuff, though. But for my Eastern Conference standings, I had Atlanta United, NYCFC, Toronto, Philadelphia, New England, D.C., and Columbus as my playoff teams for the Eastern Conference. For the Western Conference, I had LAFC, the LA Galaxy, 
Seattle Sounders, Sporting Kansas City, Portland Timbers, Minnesota United, and FC Dallas. And for rounding out 8 through 13 for each league, I had New York Red Bulls in 8th, Inter-Miami 9th, Montreal Impact 10th, Chicago Fire 11th, Orlando City 12th, and FC Cincinnati 13th. And then in the Western Conference, I had San Jose Earthquakes, Real Salt Lake, Houston Dynamo, Nashville Soccer Club, Colorado Rapids, and the Vancouver Whitecaps. I had LAFC win on the Supporter Shield, which I still think they could do even, well, do they have, they're not going to do the Supporter Shield, are they? I don't know what they're going to do with that, but I had the MVP green Carlos Vea again, back-to-back MVPs, golden boot. I had Joseph Martinez, newcomer of the year. I had Javier Hernandez, goalkeeper of the year, Brad Guzan, coach of the year, Peter Vermees, and I just decided not to fill in rookie of the year and comeback player of the year. So good stuff coming from (laughs) Logan here, but those are my MLS season predictions from when did I make that? When did I write that? February 24th, 2020 is when I wrote those predictions. And then I got my Premier League predictions, which I'm too scared to open at this point in time. Then I got my, uh... oh, wait, what is this? I got two of them? Oh, I had another one. Oh, sh- <laughs> oh. <laughs> I changed it. This one, oh, this one actually, okay. I found my actual predictions. That one was not, I guess I made two of these. Yeah, this one's from the 29th of February. But this one looks like my actual, everything's bolded. So this one has to be right, right? Uh, Eastern Conference, Atlanta United, NYCFC, Toronto, Philadelphia Union, Columbus Crew, DC United, and New England Revolution. Then eighth place, I had Inter Miami, New York Red Bulls, Orlando City, Montreal Impact, Chicago Fire, and FC Cincinnati. Now, Montreal, uh, they've been one of my surprise teams because Thierry Henry, Arsenal legend, New York Red Bulls legend, Came over to be the head coach of the Montreal Impact after failing miserably at Monaco. I didn't know how well he would translate over to the MLS, which I guess it's a lot easier league than league on, which is not saying a lot. Because if you took out PSG, a couple MLS teams could probably compete if you took out PSG. I'm not saying they're going to win the thing, but they would be able to compete. I'm fairly confident in saying that. But Montreal Impact have been one of the better teams in the MLS at the start of the season. And Thierry Henry has been doing pretty good. But again, it's so hard to tell because they've only played two games. That's what makes this impossible to tell because they've only played two games. The season's not over yet, so some of these predictions could actually end up being right. But right now, we don't know. I just don't. It's ba- I'm basically predicting everything all over again. And the Western Conference, I had LAFC, Seattle Sounders, LA Galaxy, Sporting Kansas City, Portland Timbers, Minnesota United, and Real Salt Lake. And then for the teams that are outside of the playoffs for the Eastern Conference, at Inter-Miami, New York Red Bulls, Orlando City, Montreal Impact, Chicago Fire, FC Cincinnati, or maybe I just read all of those again. I don't know. But for the Western Conference, FC Dallas, San Jose Earthquakes, Nashville, Colorado Rapids, Houston Dynamo, and the Vancouver Whitecaps. I think I posted this on Instagram, maybe on Twitter too. I don't remember. I know I posted this somewhere. But this one looks a lot more familiar because everything's bolded. And then I had the playoff stuff. I had LAFC losing to Atlanta United in MLS Cup. I had Pity Martinez, uh, the finals MVP. And for the playoffs, which is going to be completely different than what it actually is now, Eastern Conference, I had the Columbus Crew beating the Philadelphia Union, NYCFC beating the New England Revolution, and Toronto beating DC United. 
Going on to the next round, I had Atlanta United beating the Columbus Crew and NYCFC losing to Toronto. And then in the Eastern Conference Finals, Atlanta beating Toronto. Then in the Eastern Conference, or wait, <laughs> in the Western Conference, I put Eastern Conference on here twice. Uh, I had Sporting Kansas City getting revenge on Portland Timbers. Remember a few years ago, missed a penalty, the double doink penalty, which saw Sporting Kansas City get knocked out of MLS Cup playoffs, which was, they could have won MLS Cup that year. I think that's the year Portland won MLS Cup. I could be wrong there, but man, that that was Saad Abdul Salam. I think that was the dude that missed it. It was just not they had the sick white jerseys on. Oh, man. That was my first year I went to a Sporting Kansas City game. Dom Dwyer scored two. Jacob Peterson scored, or Jace Peterson. Wait. Some, yeah. Wow, my, my memory's struggling right now. It was Sporting Kansas City versus Seattle Sounders. My dad and I were on TV. I'll go throw it up on here so you can see that I was actually at a game. Uh, then I have Seattle Sounders, speaking of the devil, they shall appear, beating Real Salt Lake, uh, and LA Galaxy beating Minnesota United. Next round, LAFC beating Sporting Kansas City and Seattle Sounders beating LA Galaxy. And then LAFC beating Seattle Sounders in the Eastern Conference Finals and then losing to, again, Atlanta United in the MLS Cup Final. I put a score. I put 3-2 to two down as the final. Jeez, I put awards. I put best 11 down. Good stuff from your boy. Uh, Supporter Shield, I had LAFC. MVP, Carlos Vea. Again, back-to-back. Golden Boot, Joseph Martinez. Assist King, Carlos Vea. So, all of those, get them out. Because none of them are going to win that. <laughs> those two players, at everything on this list, it will not happen. It won't happen. Newcomer of the year, I have Javier Hernandez. Rookie of the year, Henry Kessler from the New England Revolution. Defender of the year, Miles Robinson from Atlanta United. Goalkeeper of the year, Brad Guzan. Coach of the year, I changed it from Peter Vermees, sadly. I put Caleb Porter down for the Columbus Crew. And then comeback player of the year, Milton Valenzuela from the Columbus Crew. And for the best 11, I put Brad Guzan as the goaltender. The back three, so for the MLS best 11, it's a 3-4-3. So go through it like that, just so you are aware. I put Graham Zuzzi, got to put a Sporting Kansas City guy in there, Miles Robinson, and Aaron Long, two people that are going to be battling for that starting center back spot next to John Brooks from the MLS Na- or the U.S. Men's National Team. Uh, for the midfield, I put Alejandro Puzello from Toronto, Maxi Morales from NYCFC, Carlos Gio from New England Revolution, and Pity Martinez from Atlanta United. And the forward line, two of them aren't going to be on here, <laughs> Carlos Vea from LAFC, Joseph Martinez from Atlanta United, and Javier Hernandez from the LA Galaxy. One of my favorite players as a young Manchester United fan was Javier Hernandez. Just the energy he played and the love that he had for Manchester United. It was just, it was awesome. I love Javier Hernandez. And I hate that he's on the LA Galaxy. because I mean, I've never had a real problem with the LA Galaxy. As I've said on the show, I've had a David Beckham LA Galaxy jersey when I was younger. But... Man, I wish he was just on Sporting Kansas City. Don't you just wish Javier Hernandez was on Sporting Kansas City? And I love Alan Polito, but man, I would have cried if Javier Hernandez, and he would never have done that. Javier Hernandez is too big of a name <laughs> to come to just play for Sporting Kansas City. He needs to go out to the sunshine in Los Angeles instead of the barbecue down in Kansas City. But you know what? We got Alan Polito, so we don't even need him. Alan Polito, speak of him, has been playing very, very nice 
since the since the start of the season, which I guess again only two games, but still nice nonetheless. So without further ado, let's just get straight in to the MLS season preview. That's exciting. I love I love the MLS season preview, even though it's not really a a season preview anymore because well, I, I guess it still technically is. So we got that. That's that's always good. So let's get this stuff underway. I got to make sure I screen record this so I can get this ready. Start screen recording and let's go. So as you can see on here, it's going to be playing behind me. If you're watching the video, if not, then you know what? Whatever. You're you're just going to be hearing me talk about it. But in this website, this is from the MLS bracket.mlssoccer.com, which I've loved the the website name for the MLS. Uh <laughs> MLSsoccer.com, MajorLeagueSoccerSoccer.com. That's my favorite website name of all time. But as you can see, if you're watching the video, which again, thank you for everybody that watched the video. We're going to keep doing that. And it's going to be like a half hour long each time, or at least we're going to try to. We're going to trim down the podcast to a half hour. And yeah, I hope you all sit down and watch that as well as listen to the Logan Blackman Show podcast. But here we got in front of me all the groups for the MLS's back restart. Now you got the Chicago Fire, Inter Miami, Nashville, New York City FC, Orlando City, and Philadelphia Union in Group A. Group B, I don't know if they'll reshake the groups or not with FC Dallas not being in it, but San Jose Earthquakes, Seattle Sounders, and the Vancouver Whitecaps. In Group C, we have DC United, the Montreal Impact, New England Revolution, and Toronto FC. And Group D, yeah, the Colorado Rapids, Minnesota United, Real Salt Lake, and Sporting Kansas City. For Group E, Atlanta United, Columbus Crew, FC Cincinnati, and New York Red Bulls. And Group F, the Houston Dynamo, LA Galaxy, LAFC, and the Portland Timbers. So in this, we're going to go through select teams to pick first, second, and third place in Group A. First, second, through first and second in Groups B and F, and three wild card finishers. Max one per group. So here we go. At the winner of Group A, to me, I think will be New York City FC. They were one of my favorite, one of the favorites that I had at the start of the season. They struggled at the start, but again, it's been two games. I think they'll be fine once this tournament gets kicked off. I think New York City will be eventually be fine. That's my predictions through this. I think they're a good team. I think they got a lot of very talented players. We mentioned Maxi Morales earlier. They got another few other talented players as well. I think they've got this group. This is a very pretty a pretty weak group. Not gonna lie. You got two expansion teams: Orlando City SC, who's were projected to be one of the worst teams in the league this year, and then Chicago Fire, who have the ugliest rebrand, the worst rebrand of all time, and the Philadelphia Union. So second place in this group, I'm gonna go with Inter Miami. The new boys. Now, I think on Monday I said something about how them and Nashville won't make it past this round. But that's I'm going to put Inter Miami because I didn't look at my MLS season predictions. And I kind of forgot what I said at the beginning. What made me feel that way that they would actually finish in a playoff spot or at least around a playoff spot. So I'm going to have them finishing second, and then third. Um, I'm going to have the Philadelphia Union coming in third in this group. I might flip around uh, Inter-Miami 
and Philadelphia Union, but for right now, that's actually, yeah, that is what I'm going to do. I'm going to put Philadelphia Union second and Inter-Miami coming in third. So in Group B, we got FC Dallas, San Jose Earthquakes, Seattle Sounders, and the Vancouver Whitecaps. Uh, Seattle Sounders first, San Jose second. Uh, I would have picked FC Dallas second, but they're not in the tournament. Vancouver is one of the worst teams in the MLS. And, yeah, I'm just going to go with those two. Seattle Sounders winning it, no doubt. Like, you could go through these groups and pick a winner like that. It's the other parts of the group that make it a little bit more difficult. Like, who's going to come second or third or whatever? Uh, Group C, uh, Toronto FC will win this group. I'm fairly confident in saying that. And then Montreal Impact, as we said, have been one of the more exciting teams so far at the start of this MLS season. But I didn't think they would do that good at the start of the year. Do I predict them to win over DC United in the New England Revolution? Because I had them both. This is hard. This is hard. I am going to go Montreal Impact for this one just to play a little devil's advocate here. I think DC United and the New England Revolution will be pushing them a little bit, but I am going to go with the two Canadian teams making it out of Group C. Group D, Sporting wins it. Minnesota comes in second. That's what my gut's telling me. Two of the hottest teams in the MLS at the start of the season. 2-0 at the start of the season. thing that will hurt Minnesota, though, is not having Ike Opara, the 2019 MLS Defender of the Year, sitting out of this tournament. That's going to be big. A thing that Minnesota has struggled with throughout their existence in the MLS has been defense, and now with one of the best defenders in the MLS out, it's going to be tough. But their offense has been playing very good to start the season. But sporting, I just think as a team, well-rounded unit, they are the best team in this group by a fairly wide margin. You look at from attack to midfield to defense to goalie, they don't really have an extremely weak point in their defense or in their team this season. Their defense, I would obviously say, is the weaker part of those units, but they've improved it. Winston Reed, you're going to hope that he's going to play in this tournament, but at attack, you've got talent. Midfield, I know Felipe Gutierrez is out, but you still got talent. They've showed it at the start of the season, and I think their bench is good enough to win Group D easily. Group E, Atlanta United win it, and then I am going to go with... Um... Let's go with the New York Red Bulls coming in second. Now, that could be wrong. I, I, some part of me was wanting to lean towards Columbus Crew, but I am going to eventually go with the New York Red Bulls in this one. And then Group F, will the loss of Carlos Vea completely de- th- just destroy LAFC's chances of winning this tournament? Um, I'm going to have them finishing second behind the LA Galaxy in this group. I think the LA Galaxy are very talented. As far as I know, all their best players are are playing in this tournament, but LAFC are still a very talented team. It'll be a very close and heated matchup between the pair, but I am going to go with LA Galaxy winning this. And then I got to pick three wild card finishers here. Max one per group. Um, I'm going with the Portland Timbers as one of them, as one of my wild card teams. And then I'm also going to throw in the Columbus Crew as a wild card team. And then now I'm stuck. DC or Real Salt Lake are my two teams that I'm really thinking about for this last wild card spot. Who do I think will make? Because I don't think anybody else from Group A will make it. Out of Chicago, Nashville, and Orlando. I don't think Vancouver will make the wild card. 
Um, New England can also make the wild card. I think FC Cincinnati and Houston are out, but obviously you can't pick them in this group. I need one more wild card finisher. Who do I want to pick? Let's go with the New England Revolution in this one for my last wild card team. They got some talented players on their team. I think Bruce Arena is going to have them playing some good soccer. He's a very experienced MLS coach, very good with the LA Galaxy. Sucked with the U.S. men's national team, his last stint as U.S. head national, U.S. head coach. But in the MLS, he's one of the best. You see that with the LA Galaxy for all those years. And now he'll do it with the New England Revolution, getting them to the wild card. I could flip those him, New England and Montreal, but I don't know. Montreal's playing really nice to start the season. So I think I'm going to go with that. So here's my roundup of my groups. Inter-Miami coming in third in Group A. Philadelphia Union coming second. NYCFC coming first. Group B, Seattle winning. San Jose second. Group C, Toronto winning, Montreal second, New England Revolution in the wild card spot. Uh, group D, Sporting Kansas City winning it, Minnesota United coming second. Group E, Atlanta United winning it, New York Red Bulls in second, and Columbus Crew in the wild card spot. And Group F, LA Galaxy winning it, LAC, LAFC coming second, and Portland Timbers finishing in the wild card spot. Do I think Carlos Vea is the only reason that team is good? No. They've got talented players, but replacing him will be one of the hardest tasks they're going to have to do. I don't know if they're going to be able to do that. It's going to be, it's going to be hard. <laughs> it is going to be hard. And then you got the whole knockout section here. We'll do the knockout section once this stage actually happens in the MLS playoffs or the MLS is back tournament. As you can see, got the round of 16, the quarterfinals, semis, and the finals. If I'm making predictions right now, for, so how does this happen? How is the, I guess I don't really know how this works for, for this section, for the knockout stage and what groups go where and how they're all divvied up and all that kind of stuff. But I think the best teams in the tournament right now are the Seattle Sounders, Toronto FC, all the big boys, LA Galaxy, LAFC, Atlanta United. Those are like the big dogs. I think Sporting Kansas City, that, I'm being biased, but you know what? I don't really care. I think Sporting Kansas City have a good enough team to compete in the MLS's back tournament and actually make a deep run in this new playoff structure. But again, make sure you tune into the game tonight. You got Orlando City SC taking on Inter-Miami, and then you were supposed to have Nashville versus Chicago. I don't know if that game got canceled or not. Last I heard, it was postponed. But if not, just go check on the TV tonight around 8.30. So with that being said, Let's take a quick break here on the Logan Blackman Show. And when we come back, we will have some more fantastic stuff for you on this Wednesday edition of the Logan Blackman Show here on The Basement Podcast. Stay tuned. All right, everybody, welcome back to this Wednesday edition of the Logan Blackman Show here on The Basement Podcast. It is July 8th, 2020. And today, July 8th, is a very historic day in the world of sports. Now, let's take you back 10 years ago. One of the most famous decisions ever. It was literally known as The Decision. It was on ESPN. I was over at my Nana and Papa's house with my dad, watching with my grandparents, where LeBron James was going to go play basketball the next season. Sat down, said, I'm going to be taking my talents to South Beach. 
And then they showed all of the cameras, all of the cities around the United States that were linked to LeBron. The reactions. Miami, instantly, printing jerseys, left, right, and center, just down conveyor belts of jerseys and shirt jerseys and all that. Number six, LeBron James. Because, for those of you who don't know, the number 23 is retired by the Miami Heat. And I believe it was actually the first number they ever retired. He's either the first or second number they ever retired. I think Tim Hardaway was first or second. Whatever. But I remember watching the scenes in Cleveland where people are burning jerseys. They're rioting in the streets because this 20-something-year-old kid decided, I want to play basketball in another city. Man. The the reaction about that was insane. The fact it was on ESPN alone was insane. That this 20-something-year-old had this much power to have an hour-long TV special or two. I can't remember how exactly how long it was. I think everybody just remembers the, I'm going to take my silence to South Beach. Like, that's one of the most iconic sports quotes of all time. I'm going to take my talents to South Beach. And then Chris Bosh showed up there as well. And I remember that offseason in particular because I remember going to, like, gas stations and stuff and seeing magazines with LeBron in a Bulls jersey or LeBron in a Knicks jersey or Dwayne Wade in a Bulls jersey. Crazy, crazy stuff. One of the the most insane things in sports history, and it was just a dude just talking on TV where he's going to play basketball. Like... It's absolutely insane. And then there was a a quote that I found on Instagram in regards to this whole situation. So the Bulls were looking to be the one of the front runners here. Bring Dwayne Wade back to Chicago, get a big three with Derrick Rose. It's going to be awesome. So Bulls only had cap stays for two stars and targeted Wade and Bosh over LeBron. Wade suggested to Wade suggested to Chicago to make space for three stars. Bulls tried to trade Luol Deng to free up cap space. They tried trading Deng to the Clippers and the Raptors, but it didn't work out. Derrick Rose declined an active role in recruiting LeBron, Wade, and Bosh. The big three noted, quote, noted Rose's missing enthusiasm. And this forced Joakim Noah to take the lead among the Bulls players. However, when Noah called LeBron, he never returned Joakim Noah's phone calls. I remember, like, I thought for a brief moment, those players would be coming to Chicago. And it was going to be awesome. The Bulls went on to have some success with just Derrick Rose and Joakim Noah, Luol Deng, Carlos Boozer, and Keith Bogans. Yes. But, man, imagining a world where LeBron or Dwayne and Bosh in their primes come to Chicago. Because I know Wade eventually made his way to Chicago, and it was all right, I guess, on a team that he didn't fit in, really. Because the team Fred Hoiberg was trying to build is the team that the Bulls have now. Which proves the ineptitude of the Bulls' front office, because they finally built a team that fits what Fred Hoiberg wants to do. And you cut him, you release him, you fire him. And then bring in the walking blobfish, known as Jim Boylan who can't coach his way out of a paper bag. He's a terrible head coach. And you know it's a bad sign when the first, like, month you're the head coach of a team, 
you get blown out by, I think, the biggest margin of Bulls, game, Bulls team has ever been beaten by or the lowest amount of points have ever scored. And then you get players telling you you're not Greg Popovich. Just because you worked with them does not make you Greg Popovich. Now, Tibbs had his ups and downs with the Bulls. He had a very bad habit of playing their playing the Bulls stars way too many minutes, which eventually saw Derek, which is why Derrick Rose eventually tore his ACL because he shouldn't have been in the game against the 76ers when he tore his ACL in the first place. Game was done and dusted. He should have been out of the game. That was the bad habit of the the Tom Thibodeau Chicago Bulls teams. Then you get Fred Hoiberg, and then your first actions for your new head coach is to get players that don't fit the system he wants. You get Rajon Rondo and Dwayne Wade and Jerry and Grant. Like, how is this the team that he wants to play? This is, this doesn't fit what he wants to do. Now, I think J- Jimmy Butler could do those things, but he's not a shooter. Jimmy Butler is a great player. Jimmy Butler's mentality is one of the best mentalities in all the NBA right now. My friend and I were literally talking yesterday about the whole Timberwolves practice thing where he challenged, he went on the backup team and beat the starters and pretty much yelled at the organization that you can't win without me. And then he saw him get out because the Minnesota Timberwolves didn't like that. But you built, you, you get Fred Hoiberg. You see what he did at Iowa State. You see the players he had, the shooters. And then you get players that can't shoot and don't move the ball fast down the court. Now, the Bulls have Kobe White, Zach Levine, Otto Porter, Lowry Markkinen, all guys that could shoot the lights out of a basketball gym or out of a court. And you fired him before he could get all these players. You know how awesome Kobe White would have been with Fred Hoiberg? And then this year... Fred would have probably used his Iowa State bias and draft Tyrese Halliburton to distribute the ball to these guys. Like, it's annoying because Fred's going to get a lot of bad hate from a lot of Bulls fans because they just didn't have a lot of success when he was in Chicago. They went to the playoffs one time, and then they got rid of everybody, and then they fired him because the team wasn't good. Well, yeah, that's what you tried to do. You tried to make the team bad. You got rid of all the good players, so what did you expect? Like, I I feel bad for Fred Hoiberg. This is the team that Fred Hoiberg should have had. But, man, just imagine, though. Back to the original topic of LeBron James, Dwayne Wade, or Chris Bosh, or all three of them on Chicago with, with Derrick Rose. Your starting lineup consists of Derrick Rose, Dwayne Wade, LeBron James, Chris Bosh, and Joakim Noah. Who is beating that team? Who is beating that team? If that actually went down, because they had space for two, but Dwayne Wade wanted to make space for three, so they were traded Luol Deng. Luol Deng is, in my lifetime, a Bulls legend, not in the grand scheme of things of the Chicago Bulls. I think he's one of the best Bulls players throughout their history, because other than the 90s, the Bulls' history is not really that great. You watched The Last Dance. You saw what the Bulls were like before LeBron, before Michael Jordan and saw that they were getting outsold by an indoor soccer team at Chicago Stadium. Their history is not great. Other than Artis Gilmore, there's not a lot of other legendary Bulls players that existed before and after Michael Jordan and Scottie Pippen and Dennis Rodman. And you have Bob Love. You have Jerry Sloan. But, yeah, I'd, that's just, I, like, Luol Deng, awesome player, great role player, number two scorer on those Bulls teams with Derrick Rose, but... 
Yeah, imagine that, though. The team that knocked the Bulls out of the playoffs the year they should have won the NBA championship, or at least gone to the final, was the Miami Heat. They won game one, and then Eric Spolster's like, LeBron, go guard Derrick Rose, and then it's just over. Then the Heat won the last four games of the series. It was sad. It hurt inside. It makes it even worse because you're like, ah, man, going into that season, you're like, or the season before, you're like, oh, man, these guys, they struggled. The big three struggled when it first happened. They weren't a success off the bat. They were still trying to figure out whose team it was, whether it was LeBron's, who was the best player on the planet, or Dwayne Wade, who's had this team throughout his careers, won a championship, Wade County. Like, it's Dwayne Wade's team, but LeBron's going to come in, and he's the best He's the best player in the world. So you would expect it to be his team, but they struggled with that. They went to the finals, and they struck, They lost in the NBA finals. They couldn't figure out whose role was what. I think Bosch adapted very nicely to a third role, but, or a, thir- a third wheel, but Wade and LeBron for that first year struggled figuring out who was the guy. And for that first year, when they were all together, it, a lot of people would agree with me on this. It was Dwayne Wade's team. For that first year in Miami, it was Dwayne Wade's team. I think that's. I don't think there's any a lot of arguments there. I think everybody could tell you that was Dwayne Wade's team. If they did win the finals that year, Wade would have been finals MVP. Because LeBron was non-existent in that first final series with Miami Heat. But then they go on to win multiple titles in Miami. And everything works out for the best. But that first season, it's like, I remember watching that. And you're like, ah. Because that's why I watched it. I, wonder, I, don't, I never really cared for LeBron. I think LeBron is uh, one of the greatest athletes of all time. Not just basketball players, athletes. I think he's a really good person. But I just never cared for LeBron. He was on the Cavs. The Cavs were all right. I didn't. They were in the Bulls division. The Bulls weren't that good at this time. I mean, they were all right. But once LeBron left, the Bulls took over in the division because Rose finally got his feet under him in the NBA. I mean, Rose was awesome in his first seasons of the NBA. And then he took off. But those Cavs teams, they were, it was like the Pacers. The, like the Bulls and Pacers were the best teams in that division when LeBron left. I hated the Pacers. But when that Cavs team, I never really liked, I just, I liked Mo Williams. Out of the weird players you could like, I liked Mo Williams a lot. And I kind of, uh, no, I did not like Anderson Vergeau. I tried to say, I, no. And Pavlovich, I think that was his name, the bald dude, number three. Like, there's. I don't know. I love Big Z, Zydrus Ogalskis. I love that guy. But I could have just cared less about the Cavs. They're just there. I didn't really care for LeBron. And, yeah. But when he was announcing his free agency and where he was going to go, the whole world wanted him to join their team. Apparently, he was really close to joining the Knicks. But Dolan did something, I I think, if I or I read that wrong. <sighs> Makes you think. Because that first year, you're like, ah, man, they're struggling. We got, we're good. And then they knock you out in the playoffs, and you're like, ah, okay. That's not, that's not ideal. (laughs) But, yeah. Or was it the first year that they knocked the Bulls out of the playoffs? Was that the year? Because if it was 10 years ago, it was 2010. And that would have been the 10-11 season, which was when Rose won the MVP. So with that... That would have been that season, wouldn't it? Yeah, because the Heat weren't the best team in the league. The Bulls had the one seed. So, yeah, that was the first year in Miami. 
But then they ended up beating the Bulls in the playoffs, and the the Heat are driving, drying out with Dwayne Wade and Chris Bosh and LeBron. The Bulls are starting with Keith Bogans, Luol Dang, and Carlos Boozer. Boozer was a disappointment in Chicago. I, he was all right in Chicago at best. I, I mean, everybody loves Carlos Boozer, but yeah. Would have been a lot more fun with Wade, LeBron, and Bosh on the team. Oh, God. Even if it was just Wade and Bosh, I don't even really care. Just get one of those players in their prime on that Bulls team. Good Lord, they would have won at least one championship. Ugh. Oh, my God. It would have taken so much pressure off Derrick Rose as well. Having at least one other elite scorer on the roster. I love Luol Deng, but man... No, I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna slander the wall. I can't. I can't bring myself to do that. I'm. Just, I will say though that LeBron would have been an upgrade. <laughs> I think a lot of people can agree on that. It's not being anything bad against Luol Deng, but whatever. I love that Bulls team. I just wish that it all worked out in the end. But uh, also on this date, this one's in 2014. The weirdest World Cup game I've ever watched in my entire life. 2014 was a fun year for logan at least interesting year i got my first real job that summer i was painting houses uh crap what was the company's name i can't remember the company's name my dad had a friend that painted houses so i would go over and paint houses and then i'd watch the world cup that's what i did that was my time i would watch i would paint houses and watch world cups that summer it also rained a lot so we didn't really have a lot of work so my dad got annoyed with that and made me go work on a paving crew for a little bit. But that's that's another story for another time. But the 2014 World Cup was awesome to watch. As a U.S. fan, I loved the 2014 World Cup. It was perfect. And little did I know that would be the last one they'd be in for the next six years. Um, oh, man. I'm still pissed off about the 2018 World Cup. But the 2014 one was awesome. Group of death. Everybody's saying the U.S. is going to finish last. Clint Dempsey captained the United States to a big-time win over Ghana, who was seen as the United States' kryptonite throughout their World Cup history. I don't think they'd ever beaten Ghana in the World Cup. And then John Brooks, who played that game only in the World Cup, who is now the best center back the U.S. has at their disposal, and got the header from a Graham Zussi corner, headed it down, got in the net. Beautiful stuff. Then you tie Portugal... With a beautiful goal from Jermaine Jones. What that beautiful goal from Jermaine Jones. Go and watch the United States versus Portugal highlights, except for the end. Because at the end, Ronaldo plays a beautiful ball in and it finds the head of it's not Adair, because he played the Euro twenty sixteen. He scored the goal for Portugal then. I can't remember who this guy was, but he got the header and tied the game two two. And it all be, it was way past the extra time added on. But Graham Zuzzi walked off the field, so they added that time that he took him to walk off the field so Portugal had enough time to go down and score. And then Germany, the United States lost 1-0. It was weird because the Portugal game felt like a loss, and they tied, and the Germany one felt like a win, and they lost. It was a weird dynamic. Then they went on to lose to Belgium, one of the greatest goalkeeping displays I've ever seen in my entire life from Tim Howard. Beautiful stuff from Tim Howard. Julian Green got a goal. Chris Wondolowski did Chris Wondolowski-type things while playing for the U.S. team. If Chris Wondolowski could actually play as good as he did 
for San Jose throughout all their years, I think he's the all-time leading scorer in MLS history. I could be wrong on that. But he never brought that form that he had with San Jose to the U.S. men's national team. And that was a lot of controversy because that should have been and probably it could have been and probably should have been Landon Donovan. Because that was a whole controversy. Because he took that little him and Tim Howard kind of got frozen out by Jurgen Klinsmann and Fabian Johnson too for different reasons. But Landon Donovan was like public enemy number one for the 2014 World Cup. Everybody's like, oh, Landon Donovan should get a chance to go to the World Cup. So you think he just came out of retirement to play for the LA Galaxy. And then you watch Chris Wondolowski miss a sitter pretty much. You're like, man, that should have been the goat of American soccer. One of the goats. Him and Clint Dempsey, to me, are the goats of American soccer. I think the Mount Rushmore of American soccer has to go Dempsey, Donovan, Howard. And then you could argue with like Kobe Jones, Alexi Laos, and Claudio Reyna. Those are the three people you could argue with for this last spot. Uh, I think look-wise and notoriety-wise, I think you had to put Alexi Lalas up there. Everybody knows who Alexi Lalas is, at least most people, most soccer fans. I'm not going to say everybody knows who Alexi Lalas is, but a lot of people know who Alexi Lalas is. But Dempsey and Donovan are the goats of American soccer. Dempsey is my goat, but that's just me. I Clint Dempsey is my favorite soccer player of all time, so that's just on me. I wore number eight in soccer because of Clint Dempsey. But that was a fun tournament for the U.S. And for Brazil, the hosts, going in as the favorites in the tournament, one of the favorites, as they do most tournaments, and you look at the squad they had, it's not necessarily the strongest squad in the world. Your striking options were poor, and that was when the whole Diego Costa controversy, when he decided to go to the Spanish national team instead of playing for Brazil. If Diego Costa was on this team, because those of you who don't know, Diego Costa is Brazilian, switched nationalities to Spain right before this World Cup. They could have actually, you had the likes of Joe and Fred. Not necessarily the greatest striking options in the world. <laughs> Not great. But in this game, July 8th, 2014, the worst World Cup game of all time was played. At least one of them. There's a, the World Cup's got a lot of history. So maybe I'm forgetting teams, but... Good Lord, I didn't know what I was watching when I watched this. It was similar to the fact that when I watched uh, the Netherlands versus Spain, that one, I didn't know what was going on. This one was just insane. Now, you have Neymar getting hurt, then Thiago Silva getting too many yellow cards, so he was suspended, so your captain's out, your talisman and best player is out, and you're playing Germany. The eventual World Cup winners. And uh, it did not go to plan for brazil if you look at the heat map in the game look at fred's heat map it is just around the center circle because of how many kickoffs they had to do because the germany kept scoring 7-1 was the final and there's famous quotes i think it's from thomas muller that have said we could have scored more we laid off oscar eventually got a goal in the 90th and then it made for one of the most legendary world cup pictures of all time and i'll i'll throw it up on here i think on my green screen for those of you listening to the podcast but this was Oh my goodness. It, I did not see that coming at all. I did not expect a Brazil win because of the fact of Neymar's out and Thiago Silva's out. But man, that, their squad, other than those guys, was not that good. You look at Fred, Bernard, who's playing very well for Everton at this point in time. Oscar, now in China. Hulk, in China. Luis Gustavo, I think also in China. Fernandinho really good player i like for well i don't like fernandinho but he's a good player 
Marcelo's there. Then Dante. Where Where is Dante playing right now? He's playing for Nice. I didn't know if he was still on Nice or not. David Luiz, who scored an absolute screamer of a free kick earlier in the World Cup, but it's not a center back. I don't know why he's playing center back. I think I could be a better defender than David Luiz. That's just me. I, I would never say that about a lot of people. I think he's a great center midfielder, defensive mid, but not a center back. Than an aging Macon and Julio Cesar. That's not the world-beating squad that it really should have been. It was all set up for Argentina and Brazil final. The World Cup final that everybody wanted. Then Nabar gets hurt in Germany. Genetically Jack hammers Brazil 7-1. 7-1. Absolutely ridiculous scoreline. I there's not even I can't even really say anything a lot about I can't say a lot about that. 7-1. Two goals from Cruz, two goals from Sherla. Uh, Mueller scored, uh, Merlisov close to score. I think that was the goal that got him the all-time record in World Cup goals. And Sammy Kadir scored in the game as well. And then Oscar again scored in the 90th minute. The U.S., and I'll never forget watching this game because this is another one of those games where I didn't know what was going on. The U.S. beat a pretty much backup Germany team at um, RFK Stadium right before the World Cup. I think it was 4-2, to 4-1 was the final, something like that. Clint Dempsey played awesome. Josie Althador played great and that was another thing that hurt the u.s josie altador being out for the world cup because he pulled his hamstring or tore his hamstring that was a big loss for the u.s but 7-1 july 8th 2014 in front of 58,000 people brazil on home soil get ass pounded by germany 7-1 good lord what an absolute shocker that was I'll never forget watching that. I was texting my dad the entire time. And what makes it worse is when Germany comes out and says, we could have scored more, we laid off the gas. That makes it worse. Not a lot worse, because it's hard to do worse than 7-1, but it makes it worse. And you're also going, ah, maybe they're just saying that because, ah, they were just annihilating Brazil. But 7-1 was the final there. Ridiculous. Ridiculous. And while we're on the topic of soccer, let's just go over some scores really, really fast here on the Logan Blackman show. Uh, we got scores from Syria and La Liga because we got some title races in these two leagues. Lazio are done. Two to one was the final there, but thankfully for them, AC Milan beat Juventus. Juventus' first loss since the restart, if I'm not mistaken. Four to two is the final there. Zlatan Ibrahimovic scoring a penalty in this game. Lazio, second place. In Syria, lose to 17th, then 18th place, Lecce, who had lost six games in a row, beat Lazio. Lazio have lost their last two. They've lost three of their last five and don't look to be catching Juventus anytime soon. And thankfully for them, Inter Milan dropped points as well because if Inter Milan won, they would be right behind Lazio. One point behind Lazio. But 2-1 was the final there. Lecce over Lazio. And AC Milan 4-2 over Juventus. The next time these two teams play, Lazio will play on Saturday against Asuelo. And Juventus will play Atalanta, the highest scoring team in Serie A, on Saturday. Who have won every game since the restart. So this is a chance for Lazio to stop dropping points against bad teams. And actually win a game. 
They need it. AC Milan have shot up the rankings, beating uh, Juventus. I'm pretty sure they beat Lazio the last time they played. Is that right? That's, that is right, right? Yeah, 3-0. They've jumped up the fifth. They beat. They jumped past Roma. They jumped past Napoli. Roma's lost their last three games. AC Milan trying to get back into some familiar territory. It's trying to stop being this bang average team in Italy. But man, Lazio, you got saved. You're still seven points behind, but there's still a semi-chance you can beat Juventus. You just got to hope they start dropping points. They're playing Atalanta. You guys got to beat Sassuolo. And for uh, La Liga, Barcelona, still four points behind Real Madrid. Uh, nothing's really happened in that title race. We got games today for Barcelona, playing on their city rivals, Espanyol. Real Madrid will be playing on Friday against Deportivo Alaves. Uh, these two teams played this past weekend. Oh, Barcelona beating Villarreal 4-1. Real Madrid being Athletic Bilbao 1-0. But, yeah, it looks all but wrapped up. Four points back are Barcelona and Real Madrid. They don't look to be dropping points anytime soon, really, as Gerard Piquet said. And I don't expect them to struggle that heavily against 16th place Deportivo Alves, who have lost their last five games. I'm not really worried about Real Madrid in this one. They're on the same form as Espanyol, who have lost also lost their last five games, who sit dead last in La Liga. Yeah, Real Madrid have this locked up. They do. Juventus pretty much have it locked up. Seven points clear of Lazio. They've got it locked up. And yeah, I think Juventus, what did they say? Juventus won the last nine Serie A titles or something like that. Or this is number nine. Juventus and Bayern Munich. It's hard to dethrone those guys. <laughs> and then the Premier League, there, as you know, season's already done pretty much. Liverpool have won the league. There was games going on yesterday and Monday. Tottenham ended up beating Everton 1-0. Chelsea beat Crystal Palace 3-2 with Christian Pulisic getting another goal for Chelsea with Wilfred Zaha scoring an absolute screamer in the first half. Beautiful goal. From Wilfred Zaha, Watford beat Norwich 2-1, and Arsenal drew with Leicester 1-1. Big for Manchester United. We're trying to catch up to Leicester, who sit in fourth place. Manchester United, four points behind Leicester with 55 points. Big stuff there. Watford, giant win over Norwich. They're now four points clear of Aston Villa in the relegation zone. Watford sit on 31 points, joint with West Ham. West Ham have a better goal differential. Aston Villa and Bournemouth both sit on 27 points this season with not that many games left to go. I think there's five games left in the season. I could be wrong on that. But we got games going on right now. Manchester City taking on Newcastle, Sheffield United versus Wolves, and West Ham taking on Burnley. All of those games just kicked off. And then a little bit later today, we got Brighton against Liverpool. We got games tomorrow as well with Everton taking on Southampton, Bournemouth taking on Tottenham, and new and future Manchester United player Jack Grealish and Aston Villa will be taking on Manchester United tomorrow. And then we got games on Saturday and Sunday, but those are the games that are going on for the rest of this of the weekdays, I guess. And just let's just close it off real quick. Just talking about quick recap of the KBO. Let's get through this real quick. We got games going on yesterday. No games on Monday, of course. Hanwa beat Lot 7-6. KT beat the Kia Tigers. 8-2, Doosan beat the LG Twins 9-6, NC beat SK 5-4, and the Samsung Lions beat Kiwoom 13-2. And then we had some action today, Kiwoom beating Samsung 7-6, 
Lope beating Hanwa, 6-2. LG getting revenge on Doosan, 8-5. KT beating Kia, 7-4. And SK beating the NC Dinos, 3-2. Standings right now are pretty much unchanged from the last time we talked about this because there's just been two games played. Nothing's really changed here. The standings are pretty much the exact same as we left it. Let's go over the top three. NC, Kiwum, and Doosan. The bottom three are Hanwa and last with 14 wins. 14 and 41 is their record right now. Three games behind SK at 17 38, and then Lotes right above them with 25 wins. So, with that being said, let's take another quick break here on the Logan Blackman Show. We will come back, and we got some drama going around the NFL. We'll talk about that coming up right after this. Welcome back, everybody, to hour two of this Wednesday edition of the Logan Blackman Show here on the Basement Podcast. Of course, I am your host, Logan underscore Blackman. That is my personal Twitter account. So while you're at that, go and follow all the show and my personal social media accounts. At Logan underscore Blackman is my Twitter account, my personal one. At the underscore LB underscore shows, the show's Twitter account. Go follow the Instagram account. We're actually starting to post a lot more on there now. Uh, That one's just the Logan Blackman show. Just search that and the search bar should pop up. Then my personal Instagram is BlackmanLogan, I think. I don't really know my Instagram <laughs> username. And then go like the Facebook page as well, The Logan Blackman Show on Facebook. And then so go subscribe to the YouTube channel where we'll be posting podcast clips after every single Logan Blackman Show. So make sure you stay tuned for all of that. And also stay tuned for the shirts that we will be dropping in about two weeks, maybe. That's the plan. Is it actually going to happen? I don't know. We'll have to wait and see on that. But this is the first shirt we have. So if you want one, let me know. I've already got an order, a couple orders in for a Logan Blackman Show shirt, but we need to actually get these printed. This is just the, what do you want to call it? The the first one? I, I Obviously, it's the first one, but the like the test subject. It's the test subject. It's the paid test subject to go on and see how it does in its first time out in public. And so far, it's looking good. It's a Hanes t-shirt. It's got nice printed on logos on there. The Logan Blackman Show logo. It's got the Logan Blackman show on the back of it as well. So yeah, these will be dropping soon. I got about five shirts that should be ready soon. Maybe another one coming after that. We'll have to wait and see on that. But nevertheless, let's just get into what we want to talk about next. And in 2020, there is a lot of sensitive people. I don't know if you want to call them sensitive people, but the cancel culture. Okay, let's talk about cancel culture. It's a real thing. And it's sad and scary that cancel culture is a real thing because no one wants to be quote-unquote canceled. But there's people out on social media, they'll go and try to end a person's life, pretty much. Their social life, I guess. Not really their life in general. But they'll post things on social media instead of actually reaching out to somebody and saying, hey, what's the matter here? Why did you do this? Why did you say what you did? Why did you post what you did? There's not a lot of that. It's... Oh my God, they post that screenshot post on Twitter. I can't believe this. Twitter, do your thing. Of the school this person goes to, their family, all of this stuff, trying to get them fired from their jobs, all of that stuff. My mom and I had the conversation about this yesterday, about how you have to err on the side of caution, pretty much. You could not do anything that could push these types of people towards that and go, oh, this person should be canceled. Don't do that. Even if you're thing was taken out of context don't post it if it's questionable if you think 
you could get in trouble for it. Not necessarily get in trouble, but get in trouble from the the social media pirates out there that are trying to rage your social life and rage your life in general. Err on the side of caution. Even if it's not, you weren't intending it to be bad, people will twist it to make it sound bad or make it bad. And it can ruin people. It has ruined people and will continue to ruin people as long as social media is still a thing. Which is what makes Twitter a beautiful and horrible place at the exact same time. Because it gives you the, the space to share your opinions. That's what social media does in general. It gives you the place to share your opinions in 180 characters. Beautiful stuff. But then you have people that are trying to use it for bad things. Like we're going to make this person feel terrible. It's where a lot of bullying comes from. Cyberbullying, which whatever. But cancel culture is real. Err on the side of caution. Even if you're not, this is just an example, even if you're not racist and you post something that's questionable, people will view you as racist. Like Drew Brees' comments about kneeling for the national anthem. Like I don't, He said, I don't feel we should kneel during the national anthem. It's an opinion. Fine. A lot of people don't agree with it, but fine. But everybody twisted that to Drew Brees is a racist. That was what it got twisted to. Even though Drew Brees is not a racist person. But he got twisted that because his opinion didn't coincide or didn't agree with other people's opinions on social media. So you got other players in the NFL going out and I mean, even not on the NFL just posting things on social media and just saying things. I think Michael Thomas, who is made fun of on the internet more than anybody out of the NFL players for being a crybaby, handled this the best out of everybody went and talked to Drew Brees before actually saying anything. Now, I, he could have posted something, and I just haven't seen it, but to my knowledge, he went out and actually talked to Drew Brees and why he felt the way he did about something. That's how it should be handled. Not everything needs to be put in the public eye. If a quote is said public, then there's people who go, well, he said it in public, so there needs to be a public reaction to it. I, it's Deion Sanders' documentary, the 30 for 30 that he did where he dumped, he poured water on the Braves owner. I think it was the owner or GM or somebody. And, or may, I can't remember who this guy was, but he poured water on him. And Dion was like, if you want to, if I, you want me to apologize, I'll come up to you and apologize. Dude always had said public, uh, a public display deserves a public apology or something like that. So there's people that view things totally different. There's people that view certain things need to be taken off the internet and handled and actually talk to the person without actually just saying something and then going, oh, that's not what they actually meant. But now you've twisted it to now everybody believes that this person's evil now and racist and bad and a terrible person, which I don't believe Drew Brees is. I don't think a lot. I think a lot of people know Drew Brees is not an inherently racist person. It's just an opinion, which everybody's entitled to their opinion. But this thing with cancel culture is that right now, if you don't have an opinion that shares or if you have an opinion that doesn't share the same views as someone else. It turns out to be very wrong. This is why people need to actually stop taking things so personal all the time. And actually talk about things with people. I don't post on Twitter that much. On my personal Twitter account. I used to post all the time. I was posting about like I would live tweet games. I cringe looking back at my old Twitter account. It's terrible. That's why I made a Logan Blackman show Twitter account. So I actually tweet about sports and stuff. Because I have a lot of friends out there that aren't that huge into sports, but they follow me on Twitter because we're friends. That's how, just how it works. 
But Twitter can be a beautiful and evil place at the same time. You get all your your sports information, at least I do, a, a lot of it from Twitter. A lot of memes come from Twitter. Instagram steals a lot of memes from from Twitter. There's a lot of very funny Twitter personalities. And then you got cancel culture, which is the most rampant on Twitter more than any other social media platform. All over the place. Cancel this person. Cancel that person. Joey Badass, one of my favorite rappers, even came out and said, we need to cancel cancel culture. We need to stop cancel culture stupid. And it is. If you have a problem with somebody, go out and talk to them about it. If you don't know the person, then don't tweet about the person. But if you know the person, don't tweet it. Go and actually talk about them. Or talk to them. Talk to them. And... That's a situation which we're going on right now in the NFL with Deshaun Jackson, a wide receiver for the Philadelphia Eagles, fastest player, one of the fastest players in the NFL, very popular player. He's on the cover of NCAA Football 08, I believe, with when he was on Cal. Very fast. A lot of people love watching Deshaun Jackson. I enjoy watching Deshaun Jackson. But he posted something on Instagram which was taken very much out of context. And Shannon Sharp, who is on uh, Undisputed, I don't watch a lot of TV, so I get kind of confused with the different show names and all that stuff, but he's on Undisputed with Skip Bayless, and instead of just posting something about this, like a lot of people did for Drew Brees, you see likes of Malcolm Jenkins just posting randomly on social media, not actually talking to Drew Brees about what was wrong, basically just ending all their relationships with each other. Shannon Sharp talked to Deshaun Jackson about posting this. And this is where it comes into the air on the side of caution type thing. If you're thinking about posting the Hitler quote, whether it's, there's been a lot of controversy, whether this quote's actually really from Hitler or not. But if you're even, if the thought ever crosses your mind about quoting Hitler, look back at that thought and erase it. Never should you quote Hitler. I don't care if the message you want is good or bad, I don't know, don't quote Hitler, that's the problem we have with this situation that's going on right now in Deshaun Jackson, because on the 4th of July, he posted on his Instagram story, a Hitler quote, and again, this has been posted a lot, and a lot of people are coming to the defense of Deshaun Jackson on, this wasn't a Hitler quote, this wasn't really a Hitler quote, but if it is, which it very well can be, because Hitler said on here, but that could, again, but you can't defend someone saying a Hitler quote. <laughs> it's very hard to defend someone saying saying a Hitler quote. One of the most vile people this world has ever seen. Now, there's a lot of jokes about Hitler. Like, um, I was watching 8 out of 10 Cats Does Countdown a few weeks ago. And there's a quote where, I don't know about you, but I'm on the fence about Hitler. It's just stuff like that. Oh, that, that's going to take out of context now, isn't it? But, yeah. Just a lot of joke. You never take. You never say a Hitler quote seriously. You don't. You never should. You actually be trying to make a point by using a Hitler quote, an Adolf Hitler quote, one of the most despicable, most vile people this world has ever seen. Responsible for millions of deaths. And you could say, oh, he actually didn't kill anybody. He just had the soldiers soldiers do it. He's the one that ordered it, so there we can go, yeah, he is responsible. Because if he didn't order it, then these deaths, the Holocaust, 
wouldn't have happened. At least to my knowledge, it wouldn't have happened. Maybe there was some underlying thing that would have still happened even if Hitler didn't, but whatever. The whole movement with there, the Nazi salute has seen people get kicked. You see it all. It's, it happens uh, a scary amount in Europe. You see teams like Lazio, who we've talked about in Serie A, playing, trying to beat Juventus to the Serie A title. Fun team to watch. They have a lot of very fun players, like Chiro Immobile, Sergej Milinkovic-Savage. they got some fun players on this team. Luis Alberto. Like, they got some good players. But Lazio has a history of being extremely far in the uh, fascist Nazism reign of the world. You see players that played in Lazio doing Nazi salutes or say, oh, I didn't know what I was doing. Or players like Wayne Hennessy at Crystal Palace. I wasn't aware of what I was doing. Like, okay. Now, you're an idiot in two fronts. You're doing a Nazi salute, and then you're also, you're quoting, you did, you're even dumber than what we originally thought you were. But you see players do that all the time. Paulo De Canio was very big in that. He got a lot of hate for it with his um, Nazi tattoos, right? Fascist tattoos on there. You see it in Italy more than a lot of countries out there. You see players getting racially abused in Italy all the time. Never. The, those countries with the Nazi salutes, the just even the visuals of it make people sick. And it's like, why is this still happening? And the same thing that happens with the people doing Nazi salutes is just the same reaction when people read or see Adolf Hitler anywhere. So if you see Hitler anywhere, the vast majority of people will not like that and the quote you're using from hitler is not is not something you should ever do never quote hitler and shannon sharp went on to say on undisputed i saw the clip on twitter because i was trying to do more research on the topic this happened yeah it's got blown up on social media recently yesterday at least to my knowledge he posted an apology about it and it's all been over the place shannon sharp talked to him Deshaun Jackson said it was taken out of context. Shannon Sharp stopped him right there. You didn't provide context. There's no context to be provided from this. The first word in this sentence is Hitler said. That is the problem here. You didn't provide context for them to be, for it to even be taken out of context. It wasn't even taken in context. Because you didn't provide, you just posted a quote highlighted after Hitler said. Sis sparks a big time controversy because it's not you never should post hitler anywhere now deshaun jackson backtracked on this as fast as you can backtrack anyone who feels i have hate towards the jewish community took my post the wrong way i have no hatred in my heart towards no one equality equality but again you didn't take it the wrong way because you didn't provide any context for anybody to take it any other way than you just posted a hitler quote he didn't provide any context. And he eventually posted the middle portion of it, which still derives from a Hitler quote. So somebody would have found out about it. The Eagles, their owner, is Jewish. Their GM, to my knowledge, is Jewish. And the Eagles released a statement yesterday. Then you have Steven Jackson. No relation to Sean, I don't believe. Maybe, I, maybe they have some relation. Came out and pretty much defended deshaun jackson yesterday and say speaking the truth this comes to a thing of 
you don't post Hitler quotes, you don't defend somebody who posted Hitler quotes. <laughs> the the meaning behind what Deshaun Jackson was trying to say may not have been what Hitler was. I'm I'm from what I can tell about Deshaun Jackson, he does not seem like a mean person. He does not seem like a hateful person. So I'm sure in his mind that this quote was not intended to offend anybody. Which is how a lot of things are. Nobody really goes out trying to offend people. That's not how a lot of people are. There are some people that do that. You have internet trolls all over the place. And just generally hateful people. You have those all over the internet. But I don't think in this case Sean Jackson was trying to be a hateful person or spread a hateful message. I think he just messed up. <laughs> I don't think there was any malice intent behind this so when i say when he says i'm not a hateful person i don't i i'm gonna take him at that i don't think i don't know deshaun jackson personally so i can't i can't personally say i know deshaun go yeah deshaun's a great dude stand-up guy i don't know deshaun i know of deshaun jackson but yeah this is not a great quote but i don't think he meant it to be taken as it is and i don't think he just he just shouldn't have posted it he just shouldn't have posted it. And Steven Jackson came out and defended him, deleted the video because it was a, not a great video at all. And then he posted something on Instagram. And it just doesn't... Steven, it's not a great... It's not great. It's not great. It's You can't defend... You shouldn't post Hitler quotes. And you shouldn't defend somebody that posts Hitler quotes. Or at least defend the reason why you can defend the person. You can defend the person. Yeah, I'm not saying you can't defend the individual that posted it. You can't defend their reasoning for posting the Hitler quote. Whether it was a Hitler quote or not, it says Hitler. The first word of this is Hitler. Hitler said. So a lot of people are gonna look at that and go, Why did he post a Hitler quote? If you're thinking about posting a Hitler quote, delete that thought from your head. If you're thinking about saying a Hitler quote, delete that thought from your head. But you see the likes of Carson Wentz, Eagles starting quarterback, didn't go on a social media rant about how he hates his, quote, anti-Semitic wide receiver, which is what a lot of people are calling Deshaun Jackson at this point in time. He wouldn't talk to him, as a lot of things should really be handled on the internet. Talked in person, not just blindly posting something on social media. You don't actually understand the context behind something. Now, in this case, Deshaun did not provide any context behind anything. He just straight up posted the Hitler quote. Didn't say anything. He just posted it. Which is not great. And the Eagles, um, they've had that exper- the, the Riley Cooper experiment, saying the racial slur, and then eventually getting a five-year contract extension. Then he was cut in 2016, I believe. But... Deshaun, what will happen to Deshaun Watson? Do I think he should get kicked out of the league? No. I don't, do I think he should get cut? No. I think it's just a really idiotic post by Deshaun, in my opinion. Do I think he meant it to be bad? No. But do I think he could have been way smarter with this? Yes. He could have been way smarter with how this was posted. I don't know. It's just not, it's not great. It's not a good quote. I don't think Deshaun Watson, Deshaun Jackson, I almost said Deshaun Watson. We'll talk about Deshaun in a little bit. The other Deshaun Watson in a little bit. 
Deshaun Jack, I don't think he should get kicked out of the league. It's a terrible quote. It's a terrible thing to post, but do I think he's a terrible person? No. Riley Cooper used a racial slur against a security guard. They're two of the same evils. Like, they're, you cannot be spouting hate towards an individual or an individual's religious beliefs or individual's race. That is not something that should be ever done. There are two things. Like, when you look at UFC fighters or just boxers, there's anybody that's one-to-one -one combat, mano-a-mano, and then people talking trash. My problem with Conor McGregor, especially with the Khabib fight, went after Khabib's family and his religion, which are two things that I think should never be joked about ever. Religion, family, and race are two things that should not be used to put negative light on somebody. That's not something that you, that you can't do that. So when you post a Hitler quote and use it, and people view it as anti-Semitic because that's what Hitler was. Hitler murdered. Now, again, he didn't do it, but he ordered it. Hitler should not be quoted anywhere. So, with, and that's the problem with a lot of things on social media. People are posting stuff behind Twitter accounts and they're not actually going to be saying anything to other people. It's just not this quote, I think is terrible just because it's a Hitler quote. You can't be posting Hitler quotes anywhere, but to say Deshaun should get kicked out of the league. No, I think he's going to get suspended, which I think is fair, but I don't think he'll get kicked out of the league. And I don't think he deserves to get kicked out of the league. Riley Cooper didn't kick to get kicked out of the league for reusing a racial slur. He got a five-year extension out of the thing. Deshaun should not get kicked out of the league. That's not, no, that's not going to happen. Don't, don't be saying that stuff. I think it was wrong. I think it's a dumb post, at least the first post, not providing any context in a, in an era of cancel culture of where everybody is looking for some way or not everybody, but a lot of people are out there looking for ways to end other people's lives. You got to provide context to things. Always err on the side of caution. If you read Hitler said, probably best is not to post it anywhere in my opinion that's just how i would look at things though but that's that's how i am but that's i mean you do you i don't really care but i'm not going to be the one that's going after people i'll be the one talking about it on my my show but i'm gonna be going out there ah oh, man this guy needs to get canceled fire him get him out of the league there's a lot of people that are saying that now a lot of people are going like, oh, the NFL players are completely silent over this. But when Drew Brees said something, the entire NFL was out to get him. And he had to apologize because he was losing his locker room. To be fair to Deshaun, he did come out and apologize. And he has been receiving some flack for this. And rightfully so. But man, it's a dumb quote. I don't care if you meant good by it. Never, ever. Quote Hitler. That should be just rule number one in life. If you think about it, don't quote Hitler. <laughs> just don't, don't be quoting Hitler. Again, there's a lot of things that have been out there that said this isn't a true Hitler quote. But even if it's not, it still says Hitler. So people are going to go like, this dude hates Jewish people, hates white people. Which I don't think Deshaun Jackson's that way. I, From what I can tell about Deshaun Jackson, I'm no. 
I'm not going to sit here to be can- canceled to Sean Jackson. There's a lot of bad things that could go on that that happen in the world of sports, and this is just another thing. He's going to get suspended, rightfully so. And people, I saw an article that said uh, a Holocaust survivor said told Deshaun or invited Deshaun to Auschwitz, which I think could also be very good. But again, his owners the the Eagles owner is Jewish. Howie Roseman is Jewish. I don't think that he meant what he meant. <laughs> now that Shannon Sharp, go watch the undisputed video of Shannon Sharp talking to him because he'll provide more context than I do. I'm just giving, I just gave a quick summary of what Shannon Sharp said. But yeah, it's dumb. Don't post Hitler. Do not, do not post Hitler. Do not, don't post Mussolini. Don't post Hitler. Don't post, don't post Stalin. Don't quote anybody that's, and that's considered by a lot of people and rightfully so to be evil <laughs> do not post that especially in today's day and age this should have been your first thing just no stop that there's a lot of bad things getting said by a lot of people out there and cancel culture is thriving right now so my mom and i talked about it yesterday just err on the side of caution even if you're even if it was unintentional cancel culture's out there and they'll try to cancel you, which is sad. Very, It's very sad, but just don't post anything stupid. And Deshaun, I hope, will learn from this and not post Hitler quotes. Now, again, context, which he did not provide. Could He didn't mean it like this. I refuse to believe he meant it like this. But, again, that's whatever. I'm going to take him at his word and move forward on this. Deshaun will get suspended for, a, I'm guessing, a game, maybe two and I would, I think it'd be cool to see him go walk through Auschwitz. I kind of want to go to Auschwitz one of these days. If I ever have enough money to go over there, that's one of the places I've always wanted to go. But yeah, hopefully you'll learn from it, not post something. Even if the, the context was, there's no taken out of context because there was no context. You just straight up post a Hitler quote. That's where this whole situation is. And I think Deshaun Jackson is sorry. I don't think Deshaun Jackson meant anything bad by it. Because by all accounts, Deshaun Jackson does not look like a bad person to me. Now, everybody else has their own opinions. And I'm not going to sit there and bash you for having a different opinion than I do. But, yeah. He'll learn from it. He'll be better. Take a suspension on the chin and move forward. But, yeah. Next time you think about posting a Hitler quote, just repeat after me. Don't post Hitler. (laughs) Simple as that. Just simple as that. And with that being said, let's take a quick break here on the Logan Blackman Show. We'll come back and we'll close up the show with Stay Woke Wednesday. Stay tuned for more right after this. All right, everybody. Welcome to the last about half hour of this Wednesday edition of the Logan Blackman Show here on the Basement Podcast. Hopefully you all are enjoying this Wednesday edition of the Logan Blackman Show. And I hope you enjoy the YouTube video. If you're watching the YouTube video, if you're listening to the podcast and you haven't watched the YouTube video, go and watch the YouTube video. Uh, we'll link the main, the full podcast down below in the description to make sure you go and check that out. Good stuff. Good, good stuff. My favorite, one of my favorite, I, got, I don't, it's not my favorite. It's one of my favorite segments we do here on the Logan Blackman Show is Stay Woke Wednesday, where for those of you who don't know, 
basically this is a game where I go on social media and basically crap on every single opinion that I have found on Twitter, Instagram, that's pretty much it. <laughs> I, I go on ESPN sometimes, but not, not often. But here is my thing for Stay Woke Wednesday. This first one, uh, it's from Pro Football Focus. Uh, favorite, a fan favorite of the Logan Blackman show, fan, uh, friend of the show, Pro Football Focus. Who is the best route runner in the NFL? Got five people: Devonte Adams, Keenan Allen, Kamari Cooper, Stephon Diggs, and Michael Thomas. Now, in this list, I don't think it's close. I think it's Keenan Allen, and then I would put Devonte Adams right behind him, followed by Diggs, Cooper, and Thomas. That's how my order would be. But everybody has their own opinion. But Michael Thomas, if you listen to memes, all he does is run slants. So it's confusing to see him run in the best route runners. I believe that the top four that are on here are some of the best route runners in the NFL with Devontae Adams, Keenan Allen, Diggs being the best in the league, in my opinion. Uh, Allen's the best. Just go and watch some Keenan Allen routes. Just watch some Keenan Allen highlights of him destroying defenders' ankles. They're awesome to watch. Devontae Adams literally made Chad Johnson, Chad Ochocinco, whatever you want to call him, cry watching his route running. And Diggs runs some beautiful routes as well. That would be my order. Keenan Allen, Devontae Adams, Stephon Diggs, and Amari Cooper. And Michael Thomas in last. But that's, that's nothing bad against Michael Thomas. There's not not saying he's a bad route runner. But compared to the other guys on this list, he's a better wide receiver than all of them. Like, overall wide receiver, he's a top three wide receiver. He's better than these guys. But route running, Keenan Allen's untouched. Keenan, God, Keenan Allen is God level when it comes to route running. And then they chose the Chargers blue uniform, the powder blue uniforms. Whew! Those uniforms are nice. And then I found this one on Instagram. Here's another one. It is, oh, not that one. What is this? The most disrespected quarterbacks of all time. All time. Disrespected. Number one on this list um, is Andrew Luck. Is Andrew Luck disrespected? I think Andrew Luck gets unfairly – I don't think a lot of people realize how good Andrew Luck was in the NFL because he kept getting hurt all the time. But if you saw what the Colts did with him and what the Colts did without him, you realize how important he was to the Indianapolis Colts. And it's a shame that injuries saw this guy retire way too early because he's one of the best young quarterbacks that's ended his career way too soon. I loved watching Andrew Luck. I love Andrew Luck. As Pat McAfee calls him, the nerd. And now the Colts will be looking for another quarterback come this next offseason, come the draft. They'll be looking for another quarterback because Phillip Rivers is not the future unless they feel like Jacob Eason, who they drafted in, I think, the fourth or fifth round, will be the guy of the future, which is very well possible. But his fourth quarter numbers are, so what would you call it, atrocious? Yeah, his fourth quarter numbers are not very good. Andrew Luck... Ah, oh, man. Sad. I don't know if he's... Di well, actually, yeah, I'll say he's one of the disrespect because he is very disrespected. He... Not a lot of people see him as that elite quarterback. And people rather rank him down in the average quarterback category, but he wasn't in an average quarterback. He was a borderline elite quarterback. You Again, look what the Colts did with him and what they did without him. That's all I need to say. And when they actually built an offensive line for him, look what happened. They went from the worst teams in the NFL in regards to sack numbers, to the best in a season because they actually gave Andrew Luck time to throw a football. 
Andrew Luck's not going to take sacks. Andrew Luck's smart enough to get the ball out on time. He just couldn't with the offensive line that the Indianapolis Colts and Ryan Gregson built for him when he was the GM. Next one on this list is Joe Flacco. Uh, Joe Flacco is the most memed quarterback in NFL history. There's the question mark on is Joe Flacco elite? Now, there is a, I can see why this thing got brought up because his postseason numbers got brought up, when was it, the other day. His postseason numbers are really, really good. But as an overall quarterback, um, his time in Baltimore, very good. Won a Super Bowl, for crying out loud. I mean, can't get much better than that, winning a Super Bowl. But he was just, he was average, slightly above average. He didn't do anything that really wowed you. His playoff numbers are really good, but he also had the likes of Ray Lewis and Ed Reed and Ray Rice when he was actually playing in the NFL. Then he had Anquan Bolden out at wide receiver. He had Torrey Smith in his prime. Like, you had a good team around Joe Flacco. So, I don't know if that was necessarily all about Joe Flacco. I think the Ravens are up to another level without Joe Flacco with Lamar Jackson there. But disrespected, is he disrespected? I don't really know. He's kind of, people kind of don't like Joe Flacco because of all the memes around Joe Flacco. It's not as if Joe Flacco elite. That's the whole thing that not a lot of people really like about Joe Flacco. But you know what? We'll we'll say sure. Uh, Next one, Tony Romo. Yeah, Tony Romo, I think, is disrespected. Tony Romo had a great career in Dallas that was marred by a lot of playoff losses. Most notably, the fumbled snap against the Seahawks. That's the big one on the on the extra point. That's the big one. That's where everything kind of started going downhill. But if, in regards to the other quarterbacks the Cowboys have had in the 2000s, it's not even close. The other quarterbacks they've had in the 2000s are not other than Dak, haven't been anything spectacular. And a lot of people would rather have Tony Romo than Dak Prescott. If you talk to Cowboys fans, my old roommate from William Penn is a Cowboys fan. He was one of those people. I don't know if he is right now, but because it's been two years since we've really talked about the Cowboys, but at the time he was. Dak's getting a lot better now. But Tony Romo, I think is very disrespected in a lot of aspects. I think he's a good quarterback. I a lot of people hate on Tony Romo. Do I think he's a Hall of Famer? No. But he leads the Cowboys in pretty much every passing category, if I'm not mistaken. I think he's I think he's a good quarterback. Next one on this list, keep it in the division, Eli Manning. Eli Manning is one of the most, I don't know if you want to call it this. Um, I think he's disrespected when it comes to postseason. Overall, I don't think Eli Manning is overrated <laughs> or disrespected. In regards to his actual play, his regular season stuff is that of a bang average quarterback. Like, nothing spectacular that Eli Manning did in the regular season. We're talking about postseason, completely different player in the postseason. Two Super Bowls beating the Patriots both times, winning Super Bowl MVP both times. Now, disrespected in regards to regular season? No. I think Eli Manning gets a fair amount of hate for his regular season play. In regards to regular season play, out of the other quarterbacks in his draft class, he ranks third behind Big Ben and Phillip Rivers. And if you're talking about legacy, some would argue Eli Manning is a better legacy than those two. The easily better legacy to a lot of people than Phillip Rivers because Phillip Rivers never won a Super Bowl. Eli has two. But will Eli be a Hall of Famer? Yeah, he will be. So I don't think he's a Hall of Famer. I don't think people are disrespecting Eli Manning. 
I think people are just looking at his regular season stats and going like, this guy wasn't anything special. He's not like Peyton, where he's like, oh my God, Peyton Manning, the best quarterback in the NFL. Eli was never the best quarterback in the NFL or in that conversation of best quarterback in the NFL, especially in the regular season. He put up some awful seasons in the regular season, but postseason, I don't know what happened to him. He just turned it on to a completely different level in the postseason, and he was just a completely different quarterback. So disrespected, uh, regular season, no. Postseason, yeah. As, if you're combining the, them together, then sure. But for regular season, no. Eli does not have a lot of respect for his regular season play. Uh, next one, Jay Cutler. No, he is not disrespected. Jay Cutler just didn't care. That's not <laughs> That's not anything on Jay Cutler has all the potential in the world, had all the potential in the world. The tw- the 2000s version of Jeff George, essentially. Now, a lot better brain on his head than Jeff George did, but all the talent in the world never fully realized it. Jay Cutler is has more fans now than he ever had as a starting quarterback in the NFL. Never has he had this many fans. People are wanting him to do his own reality TV show. I love Jay Cutler. I hated Jay Cutler as a player. Jay Cutler could have cared less being in the NFL, if I'm being honest. He was in Denver. They looked like they were doing something good. I thought the Broncos with Jay Cutler had something. They traded him to Chicago, and then both teams kind of just middle around mediocrity. The fact that Rex Grossman got to the Bears to the Super Bowl and not Jay Cutler, who has a thousand times more ability than Rex Grossman, is kind of crazy to me. But Jay Cutler was just didn't care at times i don't think he's disrespected at all he's the bears all-time leading passer and in regards to his career it could just be chalked up as some would say a disappointment for all the potential he has and all the skill level the skill level that he has he could have been so much better than what he was and there were some good bears players around you have matt forte brandon marshall uh, alshon jeffrey greg olson like he had some good bears players but they just never figured it out. Never figured it out. And then he sat out the playoff game against the Packers, and then at least I think it was the Packers, and Fails or Foles went in. And not Nick Foles, obviously, but that's where it, they signed the monster contract and then didn't do anything in Chicago after that. Bears fans, ever since the contract was signed, pretty much all of his existence in Chicago, at least halfway through, Bears fans did not want him in Chicago. Now they're wanting him back because they have Trubisky there. But at that time, no one really was dying to have Jay Cutler on their roster in Chicago. Next one on this is the final one, Cam Newton. Cam Newton won an MVP, went to a Super Bowl, and other than that, no, he's not disrespected. He's not. There's things Cam Newton has done throughout his career that are not, I mean, athletically, beautiful. Absolute cannon arm, absolute unit running the ball but his stats other than his one season that's not really that oh my god he's under disrespected i think people look at his stats and go wow 52 percent completion percentage that's not great especially right after you won the mvp and it went to a super bowl 15 and one they never had a back-to-back winning season which the panthers haven't had their entire existence they've been to two super bowls and they still haven't followed it up with winning seasons Cam, I think, was unfairly let go out of Carolina. And his injuries are the reason he got a league minimum contract because 
dude hasn't been healthy in like three years. So disrespected, no, I don't think he's disrespected. I think Cam is a good quarterback, but his injuries saw him get a minimum contract, saw him get cut from Carolina, and they never had a winning season. Back, They never had back-to-back winning seasons in his time in Carolina. So that's a problem. So I don't know if his time in Carolina could be seen as like he's disrespected, if that makes sense. Next one on this list, this is from 2010. Uh, or wait, when was this? 2015. Uh, Bleacher Report tried predicting the top 10 players in 2020. And then the thing goes on, how many of these are accurate? Well, I'll tell you this. Not a lot of these are accurate. <laughs> top 10 players of 2020, according to Bleacher Report in 2015, Anthony Davis, Andrew Wiggins, DeMarcus Cousins, Kevin Durant, Russell Westbrook, Kyrie Irving, Blake Griffin, Steph Curry, Paul George, James Harden. Now, if I'm doing a top 10 list, I would have one, two three, four, five players out of this 10 on this list. The big omission from this. Now, you can say this because it's five years ago and they're trying to make predictions. LeBron's not on this list. LeBron's not on this list. Giannis is not on this list. Kawhi Leonard's not on this list. Obviously, Luka Doncic is not on this list. He wasn't drafted this time. Trey Young's not on this. I'm not saying Trey Young's a top 10 player, but he's not on this. Just young players. But LeBron, Giannis are the two best players in the league right now. And then Doncic is right up there. AD's up there. Harden, Westbrook, Durant, Steph Curry when healthy. Klay Thompson, you could argue, is a top 10 player in this league. Uh, who else? Am I, am I missing anybody big? Zach Levine. <laughs> uh, but I would probably rank it if top 10 players in 2020. LeBron, Giannis, Doncic, AD, Harden, Westbrook. No. Uh, no, what am I doing? LeBron, Giannis, Durant, Doncic, Kawhi, AD, James Harden, Curry, Westbrook, and, um, is there anybody else I'm missing? I throw Kyrie in there. Is that fine? Is that a fine list? Trying to think of who else I could throw in there. I might be forgetting someone really big, but I can't. My my mind's blanking right now. But yeah, Andrew Wiggins is not a top three player in the league. Demarcus Cousins could have been, but injuries that sucks. Blake Griffin's not. Uh, yeah, there's three at least you could say no, they're not. They all have potential too, but no. In this order, not having LeBron, Giannis, Kawhi. I mean, these players. Not a lot of people expected to be at the, of course, Bleach Report. Especially Giannis and Kawhi at that point in time. LeBron, everybody's like, oh, he's going to fall off. But he's, he's like Ronaldo. He just never, just doesn't feel like he's aging. Ronaldo is Juventus' first 25 goal a season scorer in, oh God, it's been forever. Maybe forever since they've had that. Same thing with Messi. They're just not slowing down. And LeBron's the same way. So LeBron's still the best player on the planet. I think Giannis can stake a case for up there as well. Next thing we got on here, um, NFC North Report. They're on Instagram. Quarterbacks by category. That's just the four top quarterbacks in the NFC North. So overall, A-Rod, got it. Underrated, Kirk Cousins, yeah. Speed. Now, you don't have a lot of very mobile quarterbacks in this division, at least very fast ones. They're decently mobile, but not very fast. 
So yeah, Trubisky got speed and agility. Fair play. Arm strength and accuracy, undoubtedly. Uh, Aaron Rodgers, overrated. I mean, you only got four quarterbacks here. And so Matthew Stafford kind of has to fall into that. Unfairly to Matt Stafford, but maybe. Yeah, accomplished. A-Rod is the only one with a Super Bowl. Fan favorite. Uh, they have Matthew Stafford here. Uh, I might throw A-Rod in there. I think those two are the fan favorites in this division. Potential. So I had no problems up to this point. Potential is where I got this problem. Potential, they put Trubisky. The worst quarterback in the division. They put Jordan Love. <laughs> Jordan Love has not played a snap in the NFL. How can you put him worse at the worst quarterback in the league or in this division? If we're going by potential, Jordan Love has the by far the most potential out of any quarterback in this division. The worst quarterback in this division is Trubisky. That's not a very like it's not a very hard thing to say. I mean, you got a Rod, Kirk Cousins, and Mark Matthew Stafford. I mean, there's a lot of quarterbacks in the NFL that are going to be worse than those three. But you you have to flip potential and worst there and awareness you have nick Foles. i put aaron Rodgers in awareness i don't know if nick Foles would be on there i put aaron Rodgers there potential easily jordan love worst is easily trubisky i that's just my that's how i would rank this everything else i'm cool with but potential how's trubisky got the most potential in the league he's in his fourth year in the league i think we kind of understand what he is now after four or five years in the league they're kind of you're kind of just are what you are it's kind of the same that's what the whole argument of marcus Mariota was like oh the um, they couldn't develop marcus Mariota. they they're gonna keep developing Mariota. they need a coach to develop Mariota. Mariota's what he he is what he is he's not gonna suddenly become the heisman trophy winner that we saw at oregon overnight he's played five years in the league he is what he is trubisky's played four years in the league or he's played three years, this is going to be his fourth year. He's getting to that point where he is what he is. He had that semi, he had the average year when they went to the 11 and five, got to the playoffs and he had a decent, uh, if we're going to talk about uh, hated, most hated Trubisky didn't have a terrible year last year, if we're being hundred percent honest, but potential wise, Jordan loves by far got the most potential as division. How can you rank him worst? He hasn't played. You can't rank him worse, the worst. Like, when I do my quarterback list, yeah, I rank my rookies last, but I don't call them the worst quarterbacks in the NFL. I rank them there because they haven't played a single snap in the NFL. It's not fair for me to rank quarterbacks that have played snaps in the NFL behind quarterbacks that have never touched an NFL football before on a football NFL football field. So Jordan Love is not the worst quarterback in this division by any stretch of the imagination. I just not... It's not. Uh, this one's from SBE College Football. I don't know what SBE stands for, but uh, 24-7 Sports uh, posted their top 10 quarterbacks for 2020. Now, we posted our top 10 quarterbacks for 2020 as well. It's a little different than ours. Uh, a little different. Uh, number one, they have Justin Fields. Number two, Trevor Lawrence. Three, Sam Ellinger. Followed by Sam Howell, Jaden Daniels, Keaton Slovis, Tanner Morgan, Ian Book, Brock Purdy, and Shane Bichelle. Uh Sam Howell, at this point in time, is better. At this point, I think Sam Howell will be better than uh, Sam Ellinger. 
I think Trevor Lawrence, who has won a national championship, beat Justin Fields head-to-head, is the better quarterback out of these two. He's won a national championship. He's went undefeated. He beat Justin Fields. He didn't turn it over when he needed to, and or when he shouldn't have. Justin Fields threw the game-sealing interception. Now, whether that's on the wide receiver or him, that's open for debate. I don't really care. But Trevor Lawrence, when they were down against Ohio State, cranked it up a year. He didn't throw any interceptions. Justin Fields threw two picks against Clemson. Trevor Lawrence brought Clemson back. So I don't know how you can rank. I, hey, I'm not saying Justin Fields is a bad quarterback. He's not that far off of Trevor Lawrence, but he's not better than Trevor Lawrence. Trevor Lawrence is the better quarterback out of these two. It's just playing season. He's won a natty, and he beat them. He won the head-to-head. Simple. Simple. Simple stuff. <laughs> uh, Keaton Slovis is not worse than Jaden Daniels. Jaden Daniels has a lot of potential, but if we're going off what we saw last year, they're not even comparable on who's better. I think Jaden Daniels is a top 10 quarterback in college football. I'm not saying that. The fact that he's below, uh, above Keaton Slovis is the problem I have. Keaton Slovis threw 30-something touchdowns last year, completed over 70% of his passes on a nine, eight or nine win USC team. Jaden Daniels threw, I think, 15 touchdowns, if I remember right, and balled out against Oregon, fair play to him, but he's not better than Keaton Slovis, at least at this point. According to me, now you can have your own opinion about this, but that's the whole point of Stay Woke Wednesday. We crap on everybody's opinions. Uh, Keaton Slovis is not worse than Jaden Daniels. And Ian Book is not better than Brock Purdy. So that's another thing on here. Uh, Brock Purdy at number nine is a little mean to Brock Purdy. I don't rank him. How can you rank him six spots behind Sam Ellinger? That far back of Sam Ellinger? I think they're right next to each other, or should be right next to each other in any conversation on who's the best quarterback in the Big, in the big 12 between Sam Ellinger and Brock Purdy. Because they're not three and nine apart. They're about five and six. Like my rankings, if I remember them right, were Justin or Trevor Lawrence, Justin Fields, Sam Howell, Keaton Slovis, Sam Ellinger, Brock Purdy, and then I put who did I have? Did I have Tanner Morgan there? I might have forgot him on the list. There's a couple of quarterbacks I'm forgetting about right now because I don't have my list up. I'm just trying to remember what I did. Uh, Jane Daniels was on the list. I think Shane Bouchelle was on the list as well. But yeah, Justin Fields is not the best. That's Trevor Lawrence. Uh, Jane Daniels is not better than Keaton Slovis. At this point in time, he could have the potential to be. And Brock Purdy is not six spots worse than Sam Ellinger and is not worse than Ian Book. That's simple facts. And he's better than Tanner Morgan, too. I think Tanner Morgan's a very good quarterback, but I would take Brock Purdy on my team over Tanner Morgan, if I'm being 100% honest here. Uh, next one on this list, this one's just a, I don't know if this was real. I, well, I saw the tweet, but I don't know if he actually thought about it, if, he, if this actually meant anything. Let's be honest. LeBron would knock out and contain a prime Mike Tyson if he were a boxer. No. <laughs> no. I don't think he would. Mike Tyson is one of the greatest boxers of all time. His hand speed, even now, is ridiculous. Mike Tyson. Now, a lot of people out there fall Mike Tyson in and oh, he's overrated because he never fought anybody big, but that's just the time and date and time of boxing at that point he just murdered everybody nobody wanted to fight him uh lebron he's built different uh i don't know if he would beat mike tyson <laughs> in a boxing match. i don't know if there's a lot of people that could beat prime mike tyson in a boxing match uh nfl division this is from gridiron grail on instagram nfl divisions by offensive position afc east 
Cam Newton's the best quarterback in the AFC East. Well, that's wrong because we don't even know if Cam Newton's going to start <laughs> for the New England Patriots. So, no. Even if Cam Newton's there, at this point in time, now you can argue their careers are not the same, obviously, but Josh Allen at this point in time is better than Cam Newton. Josh Allen's not injured all the time, and Josh Allen's got a guaranteed starting job this season. Cam Newton, even though the mass media will like you to believe that Cam Newton is guaranteed to start, that's not the case. He's not going to walk in there just because he's Cam Newton. The Patriots love themselves from Jarrett Stidham. They got Cam Newton on a cheap. It's no lose situation for the Patriots. I don't think right now Cam Newton is the best quarterback in this event. Everything else, I really have no problem with. I think the Jets have the best running backs. Bills have the best wide receivers. Dolphins best tight end and Patriots best O-line. But quarterback, I'm going to take Josh at this point in time in their careers. Now, you're giving me prime Cam, prime Josh. I'm taking prime Cam. But right now, and it, well, actually, Josh Allen hasn't even had his prime. If you're giving me prime Cam right now, I'll take Cam. But for their futures, I don't know. We'll have to wait and see how Josh Allen does for the rest of his career. Uh, same thing could be said about Gridiron Grail posted again. NFC East by division. I agree with everything on this list except for quarterback. Uh, Carson Wentz is better than Dak Prescott. Simple. Uh, there's not really a lot to me. Of, there's not really a lot of explaining to do there. He's a. Uh, he's just better. <laughs> he is. Uh, he was the MVP of the season of, of the league before he tore his ACL. Um, he's just. He's easily. He was the first quarterback to pass for 4,000 yards and have a single receiver over 500 yards or 400 yards. One of those two numbers. It's not even. It's it's close. I I'm not gonna say it's not even close, but Carson Wentz is better than Dak Prescott. Come on, guys. Uh, did I have any problems with this one? Uh, this one, uh, Arizona and Seattle, and uh, like the division. The end. This is for the NFC West. Same same account. Uh, do the Seahawks have a better wide receiver? Have the best wide receiving core in this division? Is that true? Is that true? Because other than DK Metcalf and Tyler Lockett, who else is who is better than the people the Cardinals have? Even the Rams with Cooper Cup and Robert Woods. Even the 49ers, Debo Samuel. I, I, I agree they're last, but you have the Cardinals and they have DeAndre Hopkins, who's a top three wide receiver in the NFL. And then you got Larry Fitzgerald, Christian Kirk, Andy Isabella, Hakeem Butler. The Seahawks, you can name two off the top of your head. And I would flip those. I don't think the Cardinals have a worse receiving core than the Seattle Seahawks. I think the Seahawks have a lot of potential in theirs. But the Cardinals have the one of the best receivers in the NFL, if not the best receiver in the NFL, on their roster. So that trumps that. Uh, this one's Clutch Report on Instagram as well. Underrated, overrated quarterbacks thing. Again, love these types of lists on Instagram. Deshaun Jack, Deshaun Watson. Matthew Stafford, Sam Darnold, Baker Mayfield, and Jameis Winston, all underrated, underrated quarterbacks. Overrated, Jimmy G, Garrett, Jared Goff, Garrett Joff, <laughs> Teddy Bridgewater, Car uh, Derek Carr, and Drew Locke. Again, I'm not going to go on a rant about this, but how many times do we need to say that Sam Darnold is not underrated? Sam Darnold is the most overrated quarterback in the NFL. Sam Darnold has not done anything that makes him underrated in this league. He has no good stats. They have not won any games. And yeah, 7-6 and six at the last half of the season with him as a quarterback. They had the easiest schedule in the NFL. I cannot stress that enough. There's no way he's underrated. Jameis Winston, 
threw 30 interceptions last year. I don't care if he threw 5,100 yards and 33 touchdowns. He is not underrated. <laughs> Can't, Jameis Winston is not in any world underrated. Baker Mayfield is not underrated. Baker Mayfield was expected to take a massive leap next last year and threw basically the same number of interceptions as touchdowns. And the Browns missed the playoffs with their most talented team they've had since they came back in, the 19, in 1999. That was what they were supposed to do. He's not underrated. I'll give you Deshaun. I'll give you Matthew Stafford. I, which is kind of weird saying Matthew Stafford underrated because the NFC report thing with him being overrated. But I don't know if Deshaun's underrated. I don't really think those two are underrated. There's no quarterback on this list is really underrated. I don't think Matthew Stafford's underrated. I don't think Deshaun's underrated. I think they're properly rated. I don't know if they're there's rated. Everybody likes these two. I don't think there's anybody that really has any hateful thing to say about these two quarterbacks. Darnold, Mayfield, and Winston are not underrated in any world, ever. Overrated, I can give you pretty much all of these guys. Uh, Drew Locke had played like three games, five games last year, something like that. Everybody's touting him and the Broncos to take a massive leap forward. Um, Derek Carr, I don't know if he's really overrated, but he's, I don't really know. If he's not overrated. I don't think he's just rated. The Raiders don't even like him. Like, I don't, I don't know. There's not really much to say about him. Teddy Bridgewater. I can see you saying Teddy Bridgewater. Jared Goff, Jimmy G, same thing. But underrated, I don't think anybody on that list is underrated. <laughs> one of the first times I've said that. They're underrated list. There's not one person on this underrated list that is actually underrated. Watson and Stafford are not underrated. They're just rated. Darnold is overrated. And Mayfield and Jameis are not underrated by any stretch of the match. Like, I, okay, that's your opinion. But that's what we're doing for Stay Woke Wednesday. Um... Since 2010, NDSU has won more road games against Big 12 teams than Kansas. Just that's just a, not really we're gonna we're not gonna bash on that, but we just had to say that because it's just to spread in the awareness of how good North Coast State is. Um, Deshaun will be in Houston for a good decade or so, according to Bleacher Report. Um, will he? I don't know if Deshaun. I can see. I know Houston wants to keep it, but does Deshaun want to keep Houston? Does Deshaun want to stay in Houston? That's the part where I'm like, does he want to be there for 10 years like Patrick Mahomes? Good for a decade or so? Do you see him honestly playing for the Houston Texans for the next 10 years? I don't see that. I think he's too good for the Texans. I think he's too way too good for Bill O'Brien. They're, they traded away. Yeah, they got Laramie Tunsil. They traded away the his number one guy and DeAndre Hopkins for an injury-prone running back. I know you and I fans love David Johnson. I love David Johnson, but dude's injury prone. And he traded it the one of the best receivers in the NFL for him. So I think Deshaun, I could easily see Deshaun getting tired of this and leaving. He's from Georgia. Pretty sure he's from Atlanta. Go to the Falcons. When Matt Ryan's done, I could see him easily playing for the Falcons. That's my prediction. I think Deshaun Jackson, or Deshaun Watson, I keep getting these two mixed up. Deshaun Watson plays in Atlanta, at least, like, not on a road game. I think he plays for the Falcons at some point. Bold prediction, uh, July 8th, 2020. Uh, top 10 quarterbacks, according to a poll conducted by ESPN with 50 NFL personnel. Here's their top 10 quarterbacks. Mahomes, Wilson, Rodgers, Watson, Breeze, Jackson, Brady, Wentz, Prescott, Stafford. Tom Brady... 
I don't think at this point in time is a top 10 quarterback anymore. I think uh, he might be 10. I think Kirk Cousins needs to be ranked in the around the top 10. I think still, I think he's underrated. Lamar, I'd have him above Breeze at this point in time. I could see you ranking Lamar at five. That's cool. But Lamar, at this point in time, is better than Drew Breeze. Because Drew Breeze battled injuries last year. He's retiring at the end of the season. Lamar, at this point in time, is better. Carson Wentz at eight is really low for Carson Wentz, especially behind Tom Brady at this point in Brady's career. Had the worst statistical year of his career since his rookie year or something like that. Wentz is too low on this list. I'm fine with Prescott being up number nine, but yeah, that's a little, a little low for some of these quarterbacks on here. Just, just my humble, humble opinion. And then I think this is the last thing. Robin Van Persie, Manchester United legend, Arsenal legend, striking legend, Dutch legend, all of those stuff. Robin Van Persie's picks for his Ballon d'Or winners. Robert Lewandowski first, Kevin De Bruyne second, and Sadio Mane third. I can agree that Robert Lewandowski should win the Ballon d'Or this season. Dude has been absolutely on fire for Bayern Munich. They're the best team in the world. If they win the Champions League, which is my prediction, I think he gets the Ballon d'Or. I think he fully deserves the Ballon d'Or this season. The amount of goals he's scored for Bayern Munich, the best team in Europe right now, I think he deserves it. I would throw Messi up there. He's having one. Of, he had his best assist year this year, but Barcelona losing the league is not a great look for him in the running for uh, the Ballon d'Or. I could see Sadio Mane up there. Liverpool getting their first title in 30 years. He could be easily up there as one of the best players up there. But uh, who else would I throw up there for Ballon d'Or nominations? Kevin De Bruyne, I could see it. Thomas Muller, ever sticking with Bayern Munich players, uh, 21 assists this year for Bayern Munich is amazing. Ties a Bundesliga record with Kevin De Bruyne. I would put, I would replace Mane with Thomas Muller, but I think a Liverpool player has to be mentioned in there. So maybe Mane, uh, Jordan Henderson's going to get talked about, and that he's in the running for PFA Player of the Year. Virgil Van Dijk's going to get talked about. Van Dijk came second last year in it. But I think Lewandowski, honestly, I think Robert Lewandowski deserves the 2020 Ballon d'Or. That's why I I believe that. I I think Lewandowski's had his best year of his career. It's, it's That's saying a lot for Robert Lewandowski. Dude's amazing. Absolutely amazing. So with that being said, let's end it here. Let's end it here on this Wednesday edition of the Logan Blackman Show. Um... Uh, yeah, I think today went really well. Uh, didn't really have a lot typed up today, so we kind of just went out of the blue and just said random things, but I think it all worked out. But, hey, I hope you enjoyed this episode. We'll get this episode on YouTube up shortly. At least we hope to get it up shortly. We'll edit it, get it up in a little bit. But with that being said, let's just end it here. This is Logan Blackman signing off, and I will see you all on Friday. Peace. <laughs>